You're listening to the Oaks Church, a faith family located in Denham Springs, Louisiana. For more information about the Oaks, visit oaksonline.org. As you're being seated, I just want to encourage you to still think and ponder on what you've just declared, that God be my everything. Wow. What a declaration. I know it's so easy to say that, it's so easy to sing that to a, a a nice melody, a beautiful voice like Joe's. It's easy to sing along to that, but I really want you to think. I really want you to be challenged. Be my everything. In my weeping, in my crying, in my hurting, in my joys. Be my everything. Wow. What a decoration. And so as we think upon that this morning, we enter into our second question as we are walking through a Q&A series, I'm so thankful for these questions. Uh, they've been a challenge for me personally, uh, and, and I'm excited about it. And so I want to share with you what God has challenged me with as we look at evangelism in the midst of social injustice. This will be our topic this morning. And let me read you the question that was posed to me. It says this, since the goal and evangelism is to spread the gospel and not mere moral conformity, how do we balance proclaiming Christ while also, as followers of Christ, speaking against social injustice or sin? So let me start with the Scriptures. And it says this in Proverbs 17.15. It says, He who justifies the wicked and he who condemns the righteous, both of them are alike in our abandonment to the Lord. Leviticus says you shall do no injustice in judgment. You shall not be partial to the poor nor defer the great, but you are to judge your neighbor fairly. And so social injustice has been kind of in the forefront of what we see today in the news here lately. And so I'm just going to read a couple of them to you. This doesn't mean this is all the social injustice out there, but we have abortion, sex trafficking, Racial prejudice, health care, immigration, same-sex marriage, poverty. And like I said, there's more out there, but these are kind of the, the ones that are in the forefront. And so keep in mind here, with this question, keep in mind that we're dealing with the non-believer. This isn't the believer. We're dealing with the non-believer in the midst of social injustice when we're evangelizing to the non-believer. The believer, there's a whole... Another set of issues that we deal with. There's a whole other approach when we deal with the believers. So keep in mind, the question is about evangelism in the midst of social injustice. And so with evangelism in our mind, the question then becomes this. Is the gospel tied to social injustice? And if so, how? So is the gospel tied to social injustice? Two major ways we deal with with social injustice. And we're going to break them down like this. I think it's a threefold, a three-part to what we're going to look at. First is the gospel. We must understand the gospel. Once we understand the gospel, there's two ways that we evangelize. One is this, our personal evangelism and our personal holiness. All right, that's the first way. Personal evangelism and our personal holiness. Not personal evangelism versus personal holiness. Personal evangelism and Personal holiness. They go together. The second way is this. On a micro level, 
and on a macro level. So this is what we're going to look at this morning. The two ways. And I believe that Scripture, uh, scripture teaches us to deal with this personal evangelism and personal holiness before we can deal with it on a micro and a macro level. Alright? And I love this. This is what Platt says. He says, when we carry out the Gospel by fulfilling the Great Commission, we will find ourselves ministering to the social injustices of the world. Did you hear that? When we fulfill the Great Commission, when we carry that out as believers, you will find yourself in the midst of of social injustice. You don't have to seek it out. You will find it. When we love those who God has called us to love. When He says, take this Gospel into the world, you will find yourself in the midst of social injustice. And before we go any further, I want to look at Jesus. I want to think about Jesus real quick. And just put this in your mind. How often did we see Jesus fighting against social injustice? in the New Testament. How often do we see Jesus trying to overthrow Rome? Or change their social structure? Do we ever see that in Scripture? We don't. We don't. So this is why it's so key for us to think of it as a personal evangelism and a personal holiness. And not that our mission as Christians is to restructure society. Jesus didn't try to restructure society. He even said that the poor will always be with us. We can't solve poverty. Can we minister in the midst of poverty? Absolutely. Absolutely. But we cannot solve it. So think about that as we move into this thought. As we move into what people would call the social gospel. We've heard of the prosperity gospel, the health, wealth, and prosperity gospel. There's a social gospel out there. And they try to solve the problems of the world. But what the world needs is the Gospel of Jesus Christ. We can give everyone a million dollars or we can open a food bank where the food is endless and we could, we could figure out poverty. But without Christ, we've done nothing. We can solve AIDS, but without Christ, we've done nothing. And so think about that. Think about that as we look at personal evangelism and our personal holiness. And so when this happens, just like Platt says, in the midst of us carrying out the Great Commission, in the midst of this, when this happens, when we face social injustice, when we make, and when we face social injustice, we have to make sure that we do not bend or distort the Gospel in any way to any particular group. We cannot distort it. We cannot bend it. The Gospel is the same no matter who we're ministering to in the midst of these social injustices. We must continue to present Jesus Christ the way, the truth, and the life. And so here's the beauty of the Gospel. Listen to this. That while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And with the ultimate act of grace, Jesus experienced the most unfathomable act of injustice known to mankind. Justice is defined as this, as giving people what they deserve. You and I deserve death. You and I deserve the penalty that Christ bore for us. When He was nailed to that cross, 
We should have been there. But He took our place. And with that act, He received an injustice that we cannot know, that we cannot fathom. And He stretched out His arms and He died for you and me. And so the plan has always been the Gospel. The plan has always been the Gospel of love and grace. And so this is where we must start. This is where we must start. If we do not understand the Gospel, if we do not understand the weight that it carries in our life, if we do not understand, we cannot evangelize to a lost and dying world. We cannot. So we must grasp the weight of the Gospel in our lives so that we can begin to live a mission, a life on mission. And so here's the answer. Start with personal evangelism. Before I go much further, what does that mean, personal evangelism? It's not a biblical term. You're not going to find it in the Bible. But it's referring to sharing our faith on a one-on-one basis. That we share our faith. You can even call it personal, instead of personal evangelism, individual evangelism. I don't know, however you want to term it. Um, but personal evangelism is this, is that we share our faith, that we witness on a one-on-one basis to those around us. And so Jesus practiced this. We see it in John chapter 3 with Nicodemus. We saw it in John chapter 4 with the woman at the well, the Samaritan. And so this is what Jesus did. Jesus applied the Gospel to His situation, His personal situation, in the midst of the people that He ministered to, their sin and their problems. He applied that. He didn't stand before the courts of Rome and protest his life on mission, his life on sharing the gospel brought him into circumstances where he did personal evangelism, where he ministered to their needs. Look what Psalm says. Psalm 37, 30 says, The mouth of a righteous person speaks wisdom, and his tongue talks of justice. Matthew 5 says, Let your light shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Ephesians 4 says, Let no corrupt words proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to its hearers. Philippians 2 says, So that you will prove yourselves to be blameless and innocent children of God above reproach in the midst of crooked and perverse generation among whom you appear as lights in the world. Colossians 4 says, Let your speech always be with grace, as though seasoned with salt so that you will know when you should respond to each person. 1 Peter 2 says, Keep your behavior excellent among Gentiles, so that in the things in which they have slandered you as evildoers, you may because of your good deeds, as they have overseen them, glorify God in the day of visitation. Personal evangelism. It's our goal in the midst of our life that we evangelize to those who are in need, those who face social injustice, face these tough decisions on abortion, on same-sex marriage, poverty. And that when we encounter that, we have the eyes of Christ, that we speak grace, that we are light, that we are salt to this world. And so personal holiness, I think this is the harder of the two. When we look at personal evangelism, I think it's so easy for us to you know, rally the troops and stand up for a social injustice as Christians, as believers. 
Personal holiness is where it comes to. And, I, and they work together. We're not separating the two. They go hand in hand. But I think it's harder for us as believers to evaluate ourselves. To evaluate personal holiness. It's tough. So let's look at personal holiness. God has imparted Christ's righteousness to us. and makes us holy and blameless before God. He set us apart. And this is our spiritual position. So this is our position found in Christ. That He imparted His righteousness to us and that we've been set apart from this world. So our personal holiness, on the other hand, is the outworking of that fruit. is the outworking of the personal position that we are found in Christ. You understand this? That we have been set apart. God has given us a position found in Christ. Because of that, the outworking of that is our personal holiness, our deeds, the fruit we bear. Because we belong to God and His Holy Spirit indwells us, we are commanded. We are commanded to follow after Him, to obey Him, to live according to Him every day in every way. And when we do that, this is what happens. Listen to Scripture. Our personal holiness affects His people. When we live for personal holiness, husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave Himself up for her so that He might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of the water and the Word, that He may present to Himself the church in all of her glory, having no spot or wrinkle or any such, but that she would be holy and blameless. When we seek holiness, our marriages are holy. Look at the character of God and His standard for holiness. In First Peter it says, but like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourself also in your behavior because it is written, you shall be holy for I am holy. This is our position in Christ. He is holy for we are holy. Only by Christ. And then Philippians says this, let this mind be in you which also is in Christ Jesus. Let this mind be in you. Don't downplay Galatians 2.20. Don't downplay it. Christ is in you. It's not I that lives, but Christ that lives within me. Hold on to that. Hold on to that truth. Christ has made you holy. He set you apart. Be holy. Hebrews 12 says, Pursue peace with all people in holiness without which no one else will see the Lord. We are the church of Christ. We are His greatest witness to mankind. So we must be holy. We must be unified so they will see the Lord. 2 Timothy says, Who has saved us and called us with holy calling, not according to our works, but according to His own purpose and grace which has granted us in Christ Jesus for all eternity. We are called to holiness. Ephesians 2.24 says, Put on the new self. Put on the new self which is in the likeness of God and has been created in righteousness and holiness of the truth. You are a new man. You are a new creature found in Christ. 
You're set apart. So what is the conclusion? The conclusion is that we cannot separate personal evangelism and personal holiness. What do we mean by that? Here's some examples. We cannot fight for poverty on one hand and on the other hand indulge in the riches of this world. We cannot. We cannot stand poverty and fight against it yet live in the riches of this world. We cannot fight for same-sex marriage and on the other hand encourage unbiblical divorce. We cannot do it. We cannot separate it. This is where we're going back to the Gospel being bent. Oh wait, my sister now is in a marriage that is bad and so I'm going to encourage her to get divorced, to get out of that situation. That's not biblical. Yet I have a problem with a man marrying a man. We can't separate the two. They both defile marriage. The sanctity of marriage. So I can't bend it around my personal experience or my personal situation. The Gospel is the great leveler. It is the same no matter what. No matter the situation. And we have to pursue that. We have to pursue that. And so I can't fight against sex trafficking and download porn. It's an industry driven by sex trafficking. And yet men and women are downloading porn and watching porn every day. Yet we want to stand up and wear the shirt with the big X for sex trafficking. We can't can't separate the two. We can't bend the Gospel. The Gospel hurts. The Gospel convicts. But the Gospel is love and compassion. Because we've been there. We've all been there. And so we understand our position in Christ. Our eyes are open to see everyone equal. Because if we don't, we end up having a personal agenda. And so we waver in one area, but we flourish in the other. We can't do that. We can't do that. We have to stand for the truth of the Gospel. And so once we understand this, we can approach social injustice on a micro level and on a macro level. We'll start with micro. It's relational. It's building trust and sharing truth. Building trust, sharing truth. Zechariah 8.16 says, there are the things, these things which you should do. Speak truth to one another. Judge with truth and judgment for peace in your gates. And then Ephesians says, it's therefore laying aside falsehood, speak truth to each other with your neighbor. For we are members of one another. Speak truth. Build that relationship. Get to know that person. When God puts someone in your life, when God allows someone to enter into your life that struggles or deals with a social injustice, build trust with them. Speak truth into their life. It's a process. It's not a moment where you tell them how bad they are and send them away. Build trust. Speak truth. 
And so you say, well, I know how to speak truth. How do I build trust? Practically, there's, there's a couple of ways. I think we've, we've kind of hit it already that we understand the truth of the Gospel in our life. First of all, first and foremost, practically, if I'm going to build trust with someone, I have to understand what the Gospel did for me. I have to understand that. Second, I think we love like Christ. Once we understand the Gospel, we can understand how to love like Christ loved. We can serve like Christ served. We can meet some of those needs. And then last, I think that we have the eyes like Christ. That we have to see them as a lost child. We speak so much about the lost generation. We speak so much about people who do not know Christ. Yet, we hold them to such a high standard. They're lost. (laughs) They don't know any better. And so they need us to speak with holiness and gentleness and compassion. They need us to live a life that is separated from what the world looks like and what they need is the Gospel and the truth. You can't expect me to leave my son at home for a week who's four (laughs) and come back and everything's great. And that would be cool, I think. Dishes and all that. I take a lot of vacations. But I don't think we can do that. We have to look like they're lost. Like they're a child that needs guidance. They need love. They need compassion. They need discipline. They need the truth to be spoken into their life. But we build trust through that. So my son, trust me. When I say jump, you won't fall. Even though he's like six inches off the ground. But he trusts me. He's built that with me. So it's relational. A micro level is relational. How does that look? Look, I can't give you the perfect answer. I'll be honest. I can't give you that because your situation varies. The circumstances vary. But I can tell you this. If you build that trust through the Gospel, you will have the ability and the opportunity to speak truth into their life. Absolutely. Can we seek out others for advice? Absolutely. That's why we're the body of Christ. We encourage, we sharpen, we shape each other. Don't try to do it on your own. Seek counsel. Seek help. But build trust. Build trust. Build trust so that you can speak truth. Speak truth. Build trust by the way you live life. By what you stand for. By fighting for personal holiness while in the midst of evangelism. And so, biblically, that was practically biblically, how do we trust How do we build trust? We trust in what Christ did for us on Calvary. Listen to this. If we trust, if we truly trust that Christ is all we need, all we need, then the Gospel will not waver. We will not bend it because we we don't necessarily care what people think of us because of what we stand on. We stand on the Word of God. It is the Word of God. It is truth. It is the authority. It is everything that we need. So when we trust in that, we can build trust. Listen to this. It says in Romans 5, For while we were still helpless, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For the one who hardly dies for a righteous man, though perhaps the good man, someone would dare even to die. But God demonstrated His own love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ did died for us. Much more than now having been justified by His blood, we shall be saved from the wrath of God through Him. For if while we were sinners, we were reconciled to God through the death of His Son, much more, having been reconciled, we shall be saved by His life. Not only this, but we will exalt in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. 
This is what we must trust in. We must have full faith and confidence that God saved us. That He died for us so that we could be reconciled to God. That we could bring glory to the Father. And when we trust in that, when we build trust in that, those we serve will trust us. They will trust us because our confidence is not in us. But it's built in Christ. It's built in His death and in His life. And then we look at it from a macro level. Macro meaning it's political. It's a political level. Wait, Jason, you just talked about Jesus didn't try to overthrow social injustices, right? And that's true. But we're still called to minister on that level. Listen to this. We're still called to fight for the laws that are biblical. Pray for those in leadership. Look at Second Timothy, 1 Timothy 2. It says this, First of all, then I urge that supplications and prayers, petitions and thanksgiving be made on behalf of all men for kings and all who are in authority so that we may lead in tranquility and a quiet life in all goodness, uh, godliness and dignity. This is good and acceptable in the sight of the Lord Jesus, whom desires all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of truth. So in our efforts to evangelize on a macro level, we still evangelize by praying for those in leadership. It's an opportunity for us to evangelize. Someone says, why in the world are you praying for our president? God's called me to do that. It's obedient. Praying for His direction. God may change His heart. Why are you fighting for these laws? Evangelism purposes. Share the Gospel. That we have freedom still. That we're not a closed country. So we can do those things. There's nothing wrong with that. But that wasn't Christ's agenda. See, Christ's agenda in the midst of this is still personal evangelism. It's still personal evangelism. It opens the door for you to speak truth and once again to build trust on a national level. And so if you have that opportunity, do it. Fight for those laws. Fight for them that they're biblical. But this is more important. Pray for those in leadership. Pray for them. How much more of a witness is that when we pray for those who pass the law for same-sex marriage, instead of us condemning them. There's a love there. There's a compassion. And God, pray for them. Change their hearts. Allow them to see the truth behind marriage and the sanctity of marriage. Sin is evil. All sin is same. Sin destroys. So we don't make a personal agenda about it. But we pray that God may be glorified in the midst politicians in the midst of the law, in the midst of this land. No, we're not going to overturn it. We still can speak against it. We can still evangelize in the midst of it. And so to recap, this is our, this is our question. Since the goal in evangelism is to spread the Gospel and not mere moral conformity, how do we balance proclaiming Christ while also as followers of Christ speaking against social injustice and sin First of all, we must understand the weight of the Gospel. 
and how it works in our life. There's three things. We understand the weight of the Gospel, how that worked in my life. How that ultimate act of injustice saved me. And it leveled the playing field. Once we understand that, then we also have to understand that we cannot separate our personal holiness and our personal evangelism. They have to be married. They have to be one. We have to seek out in our life the sin that is causing us to not be holy. And we have to seek out to remove that so that we can evangelize. So we can stand strong in the midst of social injustice. Thirdly, we must be active in our pursuit for social injustice on a micro level and on a macro level. Seek out someone. Pray that God will send you someone to minister to you. To build trust. To speak truth in their life. Because this world's not going to do it. We see that all the time. We see that in marriage. You don't like him, move on to the next one. I mean, how many people know the people that's been married six months and they're divorced? Terrible. Pray that God will send you someone to speak truth, build trust in their life. And so this is how we respond. As the band comes back up, our response time is this. How do we respond to this message? It's three ways. It's the three ways we just talked about. The first is the Gospel. If you do not know or understand the Gospel of Jesus Christ, I pray that you do not leave here unknowing or not asking. Find me. Find Joe Arsenault in the back. Find someone to talk to. This is where it starts. Understanding the, the ultimate act of injustice that brought salvation to His people. It starts with the Gospel of Jesus Christ. He died that our life might be lived to bring glory to the Father. That we were all sinners. That we were all wicked. And that we were at war with God. And that He sent a Savior. Secondly, you say I may know the Gospel, but I struggle with personal holiness. It's your opportunity. Pray. Find someone in this room. Once again, Find one of us. Find someone you trust. Say, man, I, I deal with this. Let us pray for you. Let us love you. Let us encourage you. Let us help you find the answers. We're not claiming to know them all. But we want to minister to you. So take this time. To do that. And then thirdly, you, you may have it all together. You may be living a life that's, you know, right on. I know we struggle a little bit and we suffer. But you got holiness down, you understand the gospel. Then I challenge you, pray that God will send someone. Send someone that you can minister to, that you can build trust and speak truth in their life. Someone that's dealing with a social injustice. Someone that's dealing with whether they should abort their baby or not. Whether they should divorce their husband, or wife. They're dealing with same sex marriage. They're struggling with sexuality. Pray that God will send someone. If you're matured, 
if you're walking in holiness and you understand the Gospel, I challenge you, pray for that. We need that. We need men to speak into men's life. We need women, mature men and women, to speak into other women's lives. Pray for that. So as we respond, feel free to move. Let the Spirit lead you. As Joe and them sing, don't hold back. Don't sit back and wait. Respond to the truth of the Gospel. Let me pray. Father, we thank You.